Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 127. We are covering the Wyndham Championship on the PGA Tour, plus the Celtic Classic on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System, and with me we have Golf Betting System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams, and naturally podcast pundit, Barry O'Hanrahan. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. Visit Golf Betting System with betting previews containing tips, masses of tournament statistics and our predictor model, all available completely free of charge. No paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. On Twitter, Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. How many are we up to, Paul? It's getting very close to 5,500 now, so... Uh, a lot of new faces, um, welcome new faces over the uh, over the course of the PGA Championship. So that was great. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, pop along if you're on Facebook, come along and join and uh, have a chat with some like-minded folks on there. Plus, a look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. The Wyndham Championship show went up yesterday. Now, please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. The uh, five-star reviews we get on Apple Podcasts, it really does help us to keep all of the content free at Golf Betting System. And as I always say, I read them out at the start of next week's show. I've got a couple here to go through. Right, title of the first one, Becoming My Go-To Pod, five stars. The They don't throw out a ton of names, but just the right amount, which is valuable for fantasy and betting. They have amazing course history and recent form stats. Super knowledgeable guys. When they mention a couple of sleepers, they seem to end up doing well. Like at this week's Workday Charity Open. That is from... Uh, it's MJH31183 via Apple Podcasts. And he lives in the United States of America. A second review here titled The Best... Again, five stars. You just won't find better stats and info on both PGA Tour and European Tour Golf. Paul is always strong with long shots. Plus, they're British. So, everything they say... Excuse me. No, they're not. There's an Irishman here. We need need an edit on that really nice review. Plus, they're British. Question mark. I I, I should have read... Let me read it properly. Plus, they're British in brackets, question mark. So everything they say is hilarious and also smart. Clearly, Barry, you are Irish. Yeah. True. It's just continuing the thing where you guys just try to claim everyone that's Irish is British when they're successful and then immediately dump them yeah. back into the Irish ban- you know, bucket when we don't do well. So Now, I, I don't know if this name is correct, but I'm going to read it out. It's this, that review is from Peter Butt, and he lives in the United States of America. So thank you very much, Peter. And thank you very much, MJH. Uh, keep the reviews coming. It really does help to keep us uh, or boost us up the rankings in terms of Apple Podcasts. And I can assure you that about 85% of you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Right, let's talk PGA Championship, shall we? Mm. Um I know this this podcast, listeners, is likely to be a bit uh, longer. If you don't want to listen to us rambling about the PGA Championship, 
Of course, I put time marks on the podcast so you can just jump forward to a future part of the podcast you want to actually listen to. But um, I actually got a three-peat. A three-peat at the PGA Championship. I've had Brooks Kepka two years running and now I landed Colin Morikawa at 35-1. to one. Fantastic. And I'm happy well, not that. only that, it was a one-two, Steve, wasn't it? Because you got um, Dustin Johnson tucked in there in second place as well. So... Um... Very, very well done. That's a cracking result for the PGA Championship. As you say, you know, it is one of those events where a lot of the history does tend to point you in the right direction, but you've still got to make those those difficult calls at the end of the day and pick the the right guys from the um, you know the, the calculable shortlist that we can get to. And it's a fantastic effort to to get the first and second over the line. So as a, as a good stuff. As a very strong golfer, Barry can clearly look at a golf course and pick it apart. But for me, PGA Championship golf courses, the only one that wasn't was Oak Hill in 2013, I think it was, Duffner one. That was claustrophobic, loads and loads of dog legs, and the trees were literally overhanging the fairways. Every other golf course that the PGA t- Championship tends to play is like pretty much bomber's paradise. It's all about mm. driving. I just want to read these prices out to you. These were the guys that placed last week at the Major. Morikara 35 to 1, Paul Casey 100 to 1, Dustin Johnson 20 to 1. Then we had Wolf 125 to 1, Jason Day 40 to 1, DeChambeau 16s, Scotty Scheffler was 110 to 1, Finau 45 to 1, Justin Rose 70 to 1. And what that says to me is it's very easy when you walk into a major that you've got to say, well, it's going to be Justin Thomas this week, or it's going to be Rory McElroy, or it's going to be John Rahm. And actually, a lot of the times, it's someone in that kind of sweet spot or players in that bigger price bracket that actually contend at a major. Yeah, it's, yeah. The, the top boys don't all necessarily get it the wrong way. That's that's for sure. And we saw that again how, last week, didn't we? Well, how many majors have we seen recently where, like, I don't know, even two of the short price 10, 11, 12 to 1 shots are actually contending? Hmm. Yeah, well, again last week, Brooks Kepka was was there right from the from the outset, wasn't he? He, he looked the, uh, the the likely winner quite for quite a big chunk of that tournament, but um, just but J, uh, JT wasn't involved though, was he? McElroy wasn't involved, no, Ram no. wasn't involved. So, so three of the, you know only one of the top four in the market actually got involved in the tournament. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and Bryson clearly came through with a, a decent weekend to get himself into that, mm. uh, those those top. Positions and uh, you know he's going to be a he's going to be a, a, a common feature, isn't he, at the top of these leaderboards, um, particularly as we go through the the next two majors. I think um, for the U.S. Open and of course Augusta National, where you've got to think he's got a got a cracking chance to to open his account there. He's um, from a major perspective. If, if speaking personally for Bryson, like he's going to be very hard to catch at the right time or even put a bet on because he drives me bloody nuts. You know, so, you know, there's a trying to like make an objective shout on him is going to be a difficult one for me. Um, but just looping back around to Morikawa, Steve, like, I mean, it's just a super shout. I mean, there was lots of great pointers there, like his long iron game, his ball striking leading into it. The little bit of the local angle that he'd know the course and feel well. And maybe the no crowds helped as well. Uh, Feinberg made a great point on their show about that. The no crowds maybe just removed that um, home game expectation that could you know impact your performance by you know even a couple of shots during the week would have made the difference so 
Um, I mean, added to that, he's a 35 to one shot. Yes, he's a super golfer, but he was only playing a second major. So, you know, in, you know, when you add all those up, 35 to one is, you know, you, it's a riskier punt at that level. And um, yeah, just fair play it was a great call. Um, Morikawa was absolutely nails. I mean, so good. Uh, things went well for him, but like some of the shots he pulled off at the highest pressure moments were um, were stunning to watch. Absolutely, I mean, some of those par saves early on yeah. in the final round. Yeah. Um, you know that just paves the way for 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 what came later. But yeah, he clearly, you know, the, he he won it on the sixteenth, didn't he, with the uh, with, with the drive to seven feet or so to uh, to make eagle. But um, astonishing what, shot. Yeah. What what went what went before that, and the fact that he was in the position he was. Um, is all part of the uh, all part of the mix. And he putted fantastically, didn't he? It, it, you know, all, all around his game is outstanding. But uh, you know, where sometimes um, his long game is, you know, stronger than his uh, than his short game and his putting. The, the putter was absolutely on fire. So. Mm, mm. I can't pick any holes in him. No, really. no. I to be honest, if you're looking at the top kind of let's say fifteen guys out there, you can't really pick holes in any of their performances on Sunday. I mean, aside from, let's just, you know, clean Brooks out of this conversation. Everybody else that was chopping around that leader, uh, that first place on the leaderboard, played really well. And you you can't say any of them really let it slip. Morikawa just jumped up and grabbed it. And, you know, from a punting perspective, I guess if you had any guys in the hunt on Sunday, that's all you can ask for is that they play pretty well and they give themselves a chance and they don't throw it away. And, you know, across the board, that was kind of what happened. So... You know, uh, it was just brilliant to watch. Really, really entertaining stuff. Oh, trying to trying to call a winner when there were six or seven players tied for the lead at various points. And yeah, as you said off mic a, a few seconds ago, you know every putt was for a tie for the lead or the outright lead or to get within one. And um, yeah, the, the way it kind of bobbed and weaved as a, as the as the day went on was um, incredible to watch. Really, really enjoyable. Mm, magic, magic stuff. I've got some notes here. Morikawa's magic numbers. This is for reference, and this these are the kind of numbers that I make a, a note of, which kind of drives strategy 12 months later. In my strokes gained eight-week trackers, he was seventh for off the tee, 19th in approach, 22nd tee to green. So there were 21 better in my analysis tee to green on for Morikawa over the last eight weeks. But they, those are a solid set of numbers. The number that grabbed me and that almost pushed me over the edge to select him was the fact that he was in the top 20 for total driving for the whole PGA Tour season. And that total driving number is religiously good year in, year out. And don't forget with Morikara, he isn't a bomber. He isn't a Dustin Johnson, a Matthew Wolf. All of those guys pretty much in that who finished in the top of the uh, leaderboard are bombers. But Morikara is long enough and dead accurately straight. He, who would you actually compare him with? He's he's a bit of a modern day Henrik Stenson, apps you know, but he 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 actually uses the driver a lot mm. more than Stenson. Yeah. So yeah. that gives him that two ninety five three hundred, you know, that two ninety five almost three hundred yard drive that Stenson sits back and you know just bangs them two eighty five straight down the middle of the fairway. Now the his south wind performance was fascinating as well for me. Third for greens in reg. Third for total driving, first in the field for ball striking. Uh, he was twenty-first tee to green. Twentieth was his finish, and he closed with a sixty-six, which was that momentum finish, which was the seventh best at 
the WGC in Southwind. And he actually said in one of his interviews that his caddy had mentioned something, I think he said after Friday at Southwind, about his stance on his putts and he needed just to tweak it and all of a sudden the putts started to uh, started to flow nicely. And at the end of the day, if anyone could read those greens at uh, TPC Harding Park based upon the fact that he was clearly a Sam Fran um, student at Berkeley, um, it was it was Morikara. He he knew those greens intimately, didn't he? You could see that just the way he was so confident with the putting stroke. Yeah, and there's the you know a lot of a less tangible nature. The uh, the fact that he has this killer instinct, but also um, you know balls of steel effectively to go and um, take the shots on. You know, we saw this back at the uh, workday, didn't we? Where you know after Justin Thomas had made that. Obscene putt in the playoff. He, he was standing over a twenty, what twenty five footer to to keep it going, and, and and just rolls it in. And that tells you a lot about the kind of player that he is. And um, but to to pull off the shots that he did, coming down the stretch now with intense pressure, intense pressure to 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 try and convert a major championship on only a second attempt. Um, and to again, I'll go back to that drive on the uh, on, on the par four where to. Be able to pull that off under those conditions and situation, and then make the putt. You know, there's plenty of players who would have stood over that putt and still missed it. So um, very, very impressive. I, he is up to fifth in the world. <laughs> That's crazy. I uh, I think his drive on 18 could. You know, you could argue that it's even more impressive than the one on 16. Yeah. Because the one on 16, he's you know he's got nothing to lose really at that stage. He, he's you know he's, he's got a bit more freedom to go for it. Whereas on 18, he's standing there and he's got something to lose because he knows he needs to just get home uh, from that yeah. point. And, you know, I think that's that, that's pro- it's a more pressure-packed drive uh, than the one in 16. Both of them are superb shots, but uh, I think there's a little bit more going on and potential demons jumping into the brain when you're standing over the one on 18. He doesn't seem to have any demons, does he? Oh, I mean, maybe, no. maybe it's a youth thing. Maybe maybe that's, that's the, the man he is. And uh, if that's the case, then he's going to... Beef, he's going to win an awful lot, isn't he? I mean, 23, yeah. 23 years of age, he's got a lot of time to accumulate. I mean, the only professional demon he has so far is what one missed cut and then that three, four footer to uh, to extend the playoff. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, and I, I think he can get over those now pretty quickly. You know, yeah, that um, that American Rider Cup team is looking in some unbelievable shape for next year. You know, now you can add Morikawa to the mix, and you've got players like Matthew Wolf just sitting there, Scotty Scheffler. You know, you know they could maybe be making a charge. It must be quite worrying for a lot of these established top fifty in the world kind of guys, don't you think? But just the talent that's flooding through. Oh, for for thirty five year old journeyman who's who's yeah. um, not got that killer instincts or the or the long game or the putting game, all, you know, all the aspects that these kids are coming through with. Um, they're not going to get a sniff, are they? Not of these big tournaments that are just going to be dominated by these types of players. It's it's it must be scary for the likes of a Snedeker, a Kuchar, and you know guys that have been around for a long, long time. And there's just a conveyor belt of young, fearless talent just beating a march up the world rankings and up the FedEx Cup points. You know, you've really got to earn your stripes now to stay anywhere, you know, top 20, top 25 in the world, in the world rankings now. It's a very difficult feat. I think what it's doing to those, um, let's say, the established, you know, the established pros, like, say, Snedeker and Akuch, like you mentioned there, 
is that it's reducing the number of courses they can compete on because there's yeah. more of these young guys that can come out and that they're competing against on these quite homogenous setups for the PGA Tour that allow them to just go after it. And it's maybe the more quirky tracks that guys like Kucher and Snedeker would you know, have a, a better chance on against them. And yeah. the number of those quirky tracks that they play in a year is, is quite low. So it's almost like there's a, another category of pro. So you have like the shorter hitters have a very few, you know, a small number of tournaments they can focus on that they know they have a genuine chance on a, on a given uh, season. And now you've got this other category of these like, um, say, I don't know what, what the phrase would be, but later stages of their prime um, pros but again, the number of courses they can p- compete on is being reduced. Um, and these young lads are just coming out and firing at everything. They have no yeah. fear. No, fearless. I mean, Matty Wolf is going to click. I mean, that was just that was a stunning uh, performance from him this week. If the, yeah, if yeah. the putter had been going just a little bit better in the early rounds, he would have been right there. And then again, in the final round, what, he missed like two kind of, let's say, six to seven eight foot range putts in a row they might not even have been that long and uh that would have changed the complexion of the entire tournament if he had ho- rolled those in i think it was 12 and 13. yeah other yeah. oh, a few cameron champ was really impressive mm. scottish sheffler was really impressive there, there's some real eye catches there i thought paul casey did really well um to to hang about and to put himself into the position he was because yeah. we've seen so many times in the past where He's been in a strong position in a in a major, and not just a major, in some general, you know, run of the mill um, tournaments where he's uh, he's kind of faded away. But um, he was his game looked really good. The, that shot he hit on to the seventeenth after seeing Marikawa's ball come through onto sixteen off the tee, like that that's uh, that could be a little turning point. Well, a turning point, but you know that extra level of confidence that Casey needs and if he does get back in that situation again knowing that he can pull off those shots and the you know when he has to uh, he was really good just not good yeah, enough just one question for you I'll, I'll throw this one at Barry US Open is the next major on the roster mm-hmm. how do you think the USGA are going to set up Oak Hill and uh, Oak Hill winged foot oh, winged foot for that particular US Open. Bearing in mind that last year all of the um, all of the press bites, all of the angles that the USGA kept putting out there was we're liaising with the players, Jason Gore's talking to the players, he, we're trying to make the US, you know the US Open a lot, you know, uh, you know, better balance between playability and and uh, you know, and and making it a really stern test. And what did they go out? And they they were watering the greens every day, which is unheard of at a Pebble Beach U.S. Open. Yeah, I I think. So, uh, what do you think they'll do this year at Wing Foot? So I think when you have a coastal course like that, there's you know there's probably not too many percentage points in the difference between having really good control of the course and it going completely psychotic on them. You know. Yeah. The you know the forecast is off by a little bit. You know the temperature is a little bit higher. The wind is you know three four miles an hour or a little bit faster. Next thing you know that course just turns like so fast and it it could have gone nuts. I I maybe they're starting to lose. 
I mean, we they always say that they never focus, you know, they never want par as the target, but that's, you know, evidence to the contrary was there for years. But it seems like they might be coming around to less like intent on getting that uh, on getting that uh winning score of level par at the end of the week and more on a really good fair championship to find out who the best golfer of the week is and you know last year at pebble beach the guys who were playing the you know the best that week came you know were up at the top of the leaderboard come sunday and that's all we really want as golf fans like a fair but you know stern test with you know a little bit of an extra edge to it because it's a major um and I think it's these guys are so good uh, that it's very hard to set up a golf course to really, really brutalize them and pull them back to level par. And again, at the end of the day, uh, level par is just a kind of a fictional number because par is irrelevant. It's whoever hits the least amount of strokes during the event. So, you know, they could go out and call it a par 67, you know, and then they get their... Uh, leaderboard number, but it, or they could call it a par seventy two, and somebody could be winning at twenty under or sixteen under. So it's I've just seen up thirteen under Woodland won that at last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and the number to par is really kind of I don't know. It's like bullshit branding in a weird way. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Well, yeah. I, I tell you, I've, I've just pulled up while you were talking the um, U.S. Open from two thousand and six at Wingfoot, just to uh, just to remind myself what the winning scores were. And um, you remember that Jeff Ogilvy won at mm. five over. Yeah. Jeff Ogilvy, during the course of 72 holes, made nine birdies and won the golf tournament. You're not going to see that this time around. No chance. No. Jim Furyk was second. He made 11 birdies. <laughs> Phil Mickelson was second. He made 10 birdies. Colin Montgomery was second. He made nine birdies. They can clearly set that track up I know it was, t- it was tough, tough conditions. I mean, it's a lot we're going 15 years ago now, so it's mm. uh, very distant in my memory. Um, but uh, clearly they can make that so tough in terms of actually being able to convert birdie opportunities that um, at that kind of level, scores aren't going to get away because you're going to make stacks of bogeys around a US Open track. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, a 7,264-yard par 70 is just is no big deal these days. But, you know, uh, 14 years ago, that was a big, big deal. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, we're not, I, I don't know. Unless you get some, they get some really abnormal weather conditions, I don't think we're going to be seeing thing over par, I'd say. Uh, look, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, it's, it's like throwing a dart in a board at this stage as to what the winning total would be. But, mm. um, yeah. Look, it's, uh, I, hope, I hope they continue, like, just setting it up, like, tough but fair, you know. Really good shots get rewarded. Anything yeah, less yeah. than a really good shot, you know, you're not, you know, you're having to work hard for your par or make a bomb yeah. for a birdie or you know something like that. I think that's the kind of golf that um, is really exciting, and I think that's why last week the PGA Championship was very exciting. There was, you know, there was really there was gettable holes, and then there was very tough holes, and it gives you that mix of birdies and bogeys that uh, makes for a very exciting tournament. Yep. Well, let's hope, let's hope the US Open is a little bit different um, to the regular run-of-the-mill PGA Tour events, at least. And mm. I think Wingfoot will set up as a real test for the players. But, uh, but yeah, I, personally, I'd like to see it around level par. I think that's what a US Open is. And uh, 
and then we can uh, we can have Augusta later in the year, and uh, and we we know what to expect there. It's uh, you know, again a different balance to, to what we've seen for the uh, the PGA and also the uh, the US Open, hopefully. We've got plenty of golf this week to talk about. Paul, do you want to start off with the Celtic Classic for us on the European Tour? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so um, Celtic Classic this week, uh, UK swing continues for the next uh, three weeks now. And we've got back-to-back weeks in Wales. And uh, specifically this week and next, we're at Celtic Manor. And both of the events are being played on the 2010 course, which was the venue for the 2010 Ryder Cup, as you'll recall. So similar kind of scenario to the one we had at Muirfield Village over on the, the PGA Tour last month, where players will play the two tracks um, consecutively. As to how they'll set up differently, we'll, we'll have to see. There's been no word as to whether this week will be any different to um, to the Wales Open, which follows on next week or not. Clearly, with the work day. Um, we saw a, an easier setup before um, the, the course over at Muirfield Village got uh, its by the following week um, on the PGA Tour. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see as to whether that um, that comes to fruition this week or whether we play two almost duplicate events one after the other. If it is set up very similar, then clearly how this week pans out is going to be an extremely large pointer as to what to expect the following week. So. Um, all eyes on this week, and hopefully we can really um, decipher what uh, what the uh, Wales Open is going to be next week. Um, again, largely similar field to what we've seen over the last few weeks. Uh, the main exceptions are that Rasmus Hogard has dropped out. He's um, he's made it to the US Open courtesy of his uh, his finishes that he's had over the last few events, and um, he's been really quite consistent and really quite impressive. So he's taken a well earned break. Um, which is no bad thing, I don't think. Um, Yosel Outen returns from Harding Park, as does Kurt Kitchiyama. Both of them finished 51st, so both of those are slotted in in relatively high positions in the market. Thomas Peters is back this week, and um, for the first time after becoming a father during lockdown. So there'll be plenty of people uh, looking to see how he fares this week on his first uh, event since, um, I think it's since Qatar, so you're talking March since... Thomas Peters has been uh, been playing on the European tour, um, but other than that, yeah, largely similar field to what we've seen before. So that that leaves the market as uh, as Joost Lauten as marginal favourite here this week, twelve to one. Last week's winner Andy Sullivan is available at the time of recording Tuesday morning at fourteen to one in a couple of spots, but I suspect he'll go off at twelve to one as well. So there'll be joint favourites of Joost Lauten and Andy Sullivan. Thomas Detry, 18 to 1. Thomas Peters has been shaved in a little bit to 22s from an opening 25s yesterday. Uh, Ryan Fox, 25. Sam Horsfield, 28. Kichiara, I just mentioned, and Renato Paratoria, 33 to 1. Jordan Smith, 35 to 1. And 40 to 1 bar those um, eight or so players I've just mentioned. Uh, 2010 calls. Over at Celtic Manor is where we are, 7,354-yard par 71. Slightly odd setup with uh, the 2010. It's a um, five par threes and four par fives. So one of the par fours um, is effectively a par three for this compared to a standard configuration of a golf course, which does, I think, put a little, little bit of emphasis on par three 
scoring. Clearly, you got to uh, you got twenty looks at par threes during the course of four rounds. So um, that does make a difference here, in my view. It's an exposed track, lots of water, um, decent bent power greens, and um, so you can make birdies when you find the dance floor on uh, this requisite number. But it's um, it's not the easiest of tracks, to be fair. And we'll go through some of the winning scores in a few seconds' time. Weather could be an impact this week. Um, we've had a lot of hot weather over here um, in the southern part of the UK and Wales over the last um, uh, over the last week or so. That's looking like it's going to break down before the start of the tournament. So we're expecting thunderstorms Wednesday, potentially most of the day on Thursday and also Friday. So they may have a very bitty start to the tournament. In fact, Thursday could be um, could be quite severely impacted by thunderstorms. Of course, they may miss them completely, in which case they'll get a full day's play. I suspect there'll be some kind of delay at some point on Thursday, though, and potentially also Friday morning before the weather settles down a little bit. Um, and from there on, it's going to be kind of more regular conditions, 70, 70 degrees Fahrenheit, 10 mile an hour winds there and thereabouts. So nothing severe, um, but I don't think it needs to be particularly severe at uh, Celtic Manor for it to play tough. Uh, just looking at some of the historical uh, wins here and, and just talking about the, uh, the history we, we're going uh, we're looking at the Wales Open which was played here on this particular track from 2008 through to 2014 so if you're looking at the com combined stats or the event stats on the website this week they refer to the Wales Open performances from 2008 to 2014 just to note, 2005, 6, 7 was played at Roman Road, which was um, one of the adjacent courses here at Celtic Manor. So do be careful. There's notes on all of those uh, pages on the website anyway, so you don't trip yourself up looking at the wrong stat. Anyway, um, 2014 was the last event. Joost Loughton won that 14 to 1 um, at 14 under par. We were on board Yost that week. It was quite a straightforward pick because he's um, got some good course form and also Yost uh, Lowen tends to telegraph a win. He, you can see his stats all converging to the right kind of number and then he, he pops over the line at a nice short price. Um, but we managed to get on to Yost last time at 14-1 to 1 back in 2014. Uh, Gregory Bordy before that, 40-1. to 1. He won at 8-under, so that starts to paint a slightly different picture. Tong Chai Jai D, 125 to 1 the year before at 6 under par. Alex Noren at 66 to 1 at 9 under. And then 2010 was Graham McDowell, who won at 22 to 1 with a 15 under total. So none of the numbers there were getting out of hand. 15 was the highest, and at 6 under par for Tong Chai Jai D, and was the, uh, the, the, the kind of the, the highest score effectively over the course of those events. So it can can show its teeth. It can be quite a tricky test around here. I think for me, it's, it's an all-round test. It doesn't seem to favour bombers. That list of names have gone through there. There's no one you'd particularly describe as a long hitter. Even Norrin and, and Joe Loughton are, you know, they're moderate to slightly longer, but they're not. They're not kind of the 310 guys there. They're shorter than that, and the likes of Graham McDowell, Tom Jai Jai D, Gregory Bordy, they're, they're, they're um, you know, shorter than average by some distance um, compared to nowadays. So I don't think, even for a 7,500 yard or close to that, so past 71, it's a bomber's paradise by any stretch. For me, it's more about high greens regulation, 
putting well, par three scoring, which um, I mentioned earlier as well. So some key pointers to look at there. I'll go through a few of those and some other stats on the uh, on the preview. So um, to do take a look if you're interested in how the old Wales Open um, events have panned out. And potentially a bit of a pointer for this week, hopefully. Three tracks that I've plucked out that I think could be good um, comp courses for this. Diamond Country Club, where they play the Austrian Open. So we saw that a few weeks ago. Um, and looking back in time, the Leoness Open as well. Uh, Joost Lauten's won both tracks. Graham McDowell and Alex Noren have both got third place finishes in the past at the um, the Diamond Country Club. Gregory Board has got a decent um, record there as well. Three top eight finishes from six attempts. And if you look at the, di- the dimensions and the style of the play at Diamond, you can see a lot of correlation between the two. Again, Ben Power track um, or Ben Power greens. Um, reasonably long, reasonably tough, and uh, an emphasis on greens and regulation. So uh, logically, it makes sense, and it's good to see there's a good correlation between the results from those two tracks. The Golf National is another one where the Open de France is played. And McDowell, Jaidi and Noren are all winners on that track and all winners on this track as well. So that's the most startling or striking stat between the two um, tracks. You've got some very good winning form from them three players. And if I went back all the way to my 2014 um, Wales Open preview, I'd also highlighted their TPC Kuala Lumpur. Um, which is where they played the Malaysian Open. They've also played um, the CIMB Classic and a few other um, events there over the uh, the, the more recent years. Um, and again, that's another one where there are some good correlating um, finishes from players from both that event and also the Wales Open here at Celtic Manor over the years. So three tracks to take a look at if you're doing some more detailed research for this. And for me, I've gone with four players in total for this week. I've Again, I looked at the top of the market and I, I don't want to deliberately exclude or avoid the shorter players just out of principle. Because if there's someone there to be backed, then um, clearly you've got to back them. As I mentioned before, I took took Joe's Loughton here back in 2014, who was the bookie's favourite at the time, and uh, he duly converted. But I'm struggling again with the top of the market. Andy Sullivan, and we, we saw his emotional video um, call to his to his wife and family after his um, his win last week. And as impressive as that was, and he was seriously impressive, seven-shot winner in the end, wasn't he? Um, bags of birdies. Um, does that take it out? I think that's his first win since 2015, and um, I, I'd struggle to see him go back-to-back. Look at, I looked at his um, performances after his wins. 57th, miscut 60th after his three wins on, on the European Tour, with his following performances. So to see him put up as the uh, joint favourite or thereabouts, I, I, just, I can't have that, I'm afraid. Uh, Jos Loughton's just travelled back from, um, uh, from Harding Park, finished 51st. Again, loves the track. He's got some, some form other than aside from his win. But uh, when we last saw him, he looked like a really frustrated figure on the uh, on, on the European Tour with his putter. And I, again, I, unless I'm seeing some really striking numbers coming through for Jos Lauten, I, I do struggle to back him in a regular event. So I can't have those two guys. Thomas Detry started well again last week, but tailed off. Of the, of the leading players, Thomas Peters probably made the most appeal, but... We haven't seen the guy for what, four or five months now, so um, you know he's entitled to be a little bit rusty, I think, particularly on and around the greens. And whilst he might hit the ground running, um, I couldn't take him this week. So 
I've, uh, I've gone a little bit further down. I've actually stuck with Antoine Rosner, the Frenchman, and at 80 to 1 this week after having backed him last week and a few weeks before as well. And well, we've talked at length about Rosner, so I won't keep harping on the same points with him. Um, I just think perhaps a tougher test will suit him a little bit better this week. Um, he was 26th last week, but the numbers that he produced were incredible. Uh, he was first for, first for driving um, accuracy, first for total driving. First for ball striking, third for greens and regulation, seventh for scrambling, and finishing 26th, he still ranked first in the all-round category last week. And so those numbers, were, from a tee to green performance, were outstanding. Clearly, the putter wasn't quite on fire, otherwise he'd have won by five. Um, tenth for putting the week before at Forest of Ireland. And, you know, if he puts all that together, he will win by five. It's, it's as simple as that. The, the guy's um, got a lot of game and he's also very, very close for me. So, and I was quite happy to take 80 to one about him this week. Uh, Nicholas Colsarts are backed as well. I mentioned the, the Kuala Lumpur link at the, uh, the preamble a second ago. He's finished second there back in 2004. Um, also mentioned the Le Golf National link. Uh, Colsarts won the French Open. Uh, there in Paris last autumn. 12th and 4th here at Celtic Manor from two attempts. He hit 81.9% of Green's regulation on his last start here back in 2014. It suits his eye, I believe. And he seems a little bit more settled now, a little bit more mature. He's a father now. Perhaps there's more wins to come from Nicholas Colsarts, who had that kind of playboy um, persona before, but seems to be a little bit more focused um, on his game now. Ninth last week at Hanbury Manor, he co-led driving accuracy stats with Antoine Rosner on the week, which is a big eye-opener for someone like Nicholas Colsars. And 1.63 putts for Greens and regulation. That was his best four-round putting performance for 15 years that I could find on tour. Um, so driving the ball accurately, um, some course form, some correlating correlate course form, and putting better than he has done since he was a teenager or thereabouts. Um, He's a classy sort, Cole Sarts, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. When, uh, and if if my mind sets me right, when he when he clicks, and it's not very often, he he clicks, he he can put together a couple of consecutive appearances and then disappear. He can. I think it's his confidence with the putter, you know, and his confidence mm. with his long game. He's generally a very strong greens and regulation merchant. That's, that's yeah. generally where you see the, the numbers. Which is what you from. want this week. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And when I'm seeing that, complemented by the fact that he's, um, he's leading the last week in terms of accuracy and he's also putting better than he has done for, for years and years, that's a, a really mm. potent combination in my yeah. view. Um, 55 to 1 I took on Cole Sarts. I think that's a cracking price to be fair. Mm. Uh, two others I've backed. Jamie Donaldson, 66 to 1. He's had a tough last five years or so and um, the Welshman he used to be top 25 in the world didn't he Ryder Cup winner but uh, gone off the boil since had some injury issues and loss of form and um, he started to come back I think I, since that uh, since winning in Thailand back at the end of 2015 he's, I think he's had something like six top tens but one of those came last week um, well no didn't he he's, he's close to the top ten he's 15th at Forest of Arden he was 14th last week at Hanbury Manor so two good strong Consistent performances coming into this. 70% of Green's regulation, great short game at Forest of Arden. Third for driving accuracy into his best putting performance for five years uh, last week at um, Hanbury Manor for Jamie Donaldson. And again, similar to Colsar, there's a lot of correlation with this and, and Colsar's to be fair. Um, eighth and fourth here 
and from two of his most recent attempts at Celtic Manor. So some positive vibes coming in, some positive um, you know form in terms of his last two attempts and uh, and home soil advantage as well. Yeah, potentially a big week for Jamie Donaldson to get, get his career back on track this week at 66 to 1. And finally, I've gone back to Connor Sign, who I backed at Austria in Austria at the start of or just after lockdown. He was fourth that week for his paid out in terms of an each way um, bet. 25 to 1 he was for that. He's 90 to 1 this week. Um, yeah. And that's coming off the back of a tw- no, top 20 performance last week. I couldn't quite get that. Um, couldn't quite get that num- number given that the, uh, the standard of the field isn't massively better than that uh, Austrian Open um, event from four or five weeks ago. So I've got to take 90 to 1 on Connor Sign. Um, we mentioned the correlation between tracks and um, second and fourth here from uh, two starts um, at the um, the Leoness Open I'm talking about. Um, so the correlation between that track and here potentially, he's, he's hitting the ground um, running if he um, can, uh, can build on those um, performances at uh, Diamond Country Club on debut here at um, the Celtic Manor Resort. Top 20 last week, Henry Manor, and his best putting performance of the season. And fifth for Greens and Regulation for the full season. Again, you know, you put it all together, it's ideal uh, combination for this week. Open with a 65 last week, four rounds in the 60s. Uh, this game's there or thereabouts, I think. It's uh, 90 to 1. I couldn't see any reason to oppose him, really. So he's part of the team as well. So that's Connor Syme, 90 to 1. Jamie Donaldson at 66. Nicholas Colsarts at 55s and top of the shot was Antoine Rosner at 80 to 1. My team of four. Any guy? I was going to mention their Betfair exchange prices because I know that listeners like to know that. Colsarts is currently 50 on the exchange. Sim at 80s. Donaldson 70. Rosner 80. Those are the Betfair prices right now on those Mm. four individuals. Interesting that the exchange price is lower on Colsarts, which suggests there's some, some Shrewdies been diving in for a bit of uh, action mm. on the exchange on him as well. So, um, I was going to back Connorson myself because I think there is between that uh, that course in Austria and and what I've seen and heard from you in the past about Celtic Manor. There's definitely crossover, and he so, yeah. he's a ball striking kind of guy. You've you've sold me into into Colsarts as well. Yeah, there's a, there's and Rosner, four. he's French, so you just don't know what you're going to get. He'll, he'll, he'll either oh, miss he's, the cut. He's going to win, Steve. He's going to win one. He's going to win he'll, one. He'll, he'll win one. So he's almost an auto bet for you. He's almost uh, an auto bet. You just got to keep backing him. Well, uh, that kind of price point, and his, his price point isn't really deviating, is it? Regardless of the performances, and, you know, 26th on the face of it doesn't look like much, but you dig into his stats last week, and he was the game was yeah. really very very close. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah, quite happy with those, and um, just hope that uh, the top of the market doesn't come through, and uh, you know a Thomas Detry or a, a Yost Lauten wins um, just to just to ruin the week. But um, we'll see. We'll see. What about you, Barry? Yeah, uh, just on the point of the looking at the favourites for this week, um, I think the thing that I kind of struggled with as well was to match up the my perceived uh, strength of the golfer versus what his odds are and i don't see any of those guys as absolute legitimate killers you know i wouldn't trust them with your money sometimes you know 
And so, so seeing them go off at like short odds, no, not interested. You know, I'll take them in a stronger field at longer odds, but you know, in a field where the expectation is on them, and and they probably know it themselves. Like I should be winning this week. We're going very close. You know, that adds an adds a certain element to uh, to things. So again, I've dodged the top of the market. I'm kind of um, I'm on Rosner again. Um, I've been sticking with him. And uh, just you know what you said about Colsarts, I'm I can't ignore that. It's just it's it's all too good, you know, the, with the course history and and how he's playing at the moment. Seems very chill and happy on the course. So yeah, great. Let's go with that. Yeah, it's a different base now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Something's uh, something's really great going on, you know, in his life. So let's go with it. Um, good points about Connor Syme. Uh, he was kind of in my head, and then reading up your much better detailed uh, analysis than than mine. Um, I think I'm. I think I'm gonna have to have him on side as well. And another one I was looking at is Jason Scrivener, who has yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah just played well last week. Played well last week. All aspects of the game are in kind of good shape. Um, you know, three good result, three decent results in a row, kind of trending a little bit better each time, and kind of hits the hits that kind of level of GIR to, to give him a chance this week, uh, that kind of 70, 72% he's at this year. So uh, I managed to have added him. I think I will. Yeah. I'm going to go with Scrivener. So, and that's me. Um, you know, it's, I, it's, it's the European tour at the moment is interesting because it's pretty much the same field week in, week out. And you, you really start to get a feel for, or you can start to get a feel for who's going well and who's trending into, into it. And for some, I don't know if for some reason, even though the courses are all different, it seems like you don't need to differentiate too much from the courses for picking a guy for the next week. You don't need to focus too much on what the course is in terms of skill sets. It's just, is somebody playing well, they're going to go there and probably go well. Um, this yeah. this week might be a little bit different now because uh, this this course can. Uh, it's stir- this is a proper golf yeah, course this yeah, week. Yeah. Isn't it's it? a sterner yeah. test, yeah. 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 A, a lot of the attributes, you're right, because uh, you know, I'm, I, you know, going from Forest of Arden to Hanbury Manor, um, you look at the the raw uh, description of the tracks, and they're, they're really quite similar. I know, I know Hanbury Manor played a little easier again last week, or well, certainly to get to get to twenty seven under total, but yeah, the. Um, I think we'll see a different beast this week. Even if it, it doesn't look like it's going to blow, um, it could be quite soft if they do get a lot of uh, thunderstorms, particularly on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, but even so, I don't think the, uh, the, the scoring will get out of hand because it is a proper test. Mm. So, so mm-hmm. yeah, um, hopefully the angle of attack that we've... It would seem, seem to be quite uh, quite aligned with our thinking, all three of us, which, uh, which is either good or very bad. It's extremely scary. <laughs> <laughs> for, for whatever one reason, last, we'll find out. <laughs> one last question for you. I'm seeing and hearing a lot about Sean Crocker this week, Paul. Yeah. But, but does that make any sense to you whatsoever? Yeah, it, it does, because Crocker's another one who hits an awful lot of greens. And I think if, you, if you're looking at that as your starting point for analysis this week, um, I don't think you'll go massively wrong. As to picking the right player who is um, a, a high greens and regulation merchant, that's clearly the... Uh, Clearly, going to be the deciding point for this week. But yeah, I can I can see um, people like uh, Crocker and, and Andy Johnston. Beef. He, he was another who, who 
came close to me for, for this week. And even players like Brandon Stone, who, um, again, from, good from tee to green. Oliver Fisher was another one who you could, you could make a case for. Aaron Rye. Um, there's lots you could uh, you, you could make a case for on the basis that they have the right kind of game to, to suit this week. As to whether they can convert at the business, actually Chester's another one. Uh, whether they can convert at the business end is um, is the more pertinent point, I think. Let's talk Wyndham Championships, shall we? Hmm. It's the end of the PGA Tour regular season. So... A lot of these players that we see this week, we might not see in the near future if they don't get into the top 125 on the FedEx Cup standings. And I'm just I'm throwing that out there because it's actually quite a big deal for a lot of these players. So we've got I'm just I'm just reading through the current FedEx Cup standings. These particular players are outside the bubble, so they won't travel to Boston next week for the playoffs. Kyle Stanley Zach Johnson, Shane Lowry, Matt Wallace, Rafa Cabreo Bayo, Sergio Garcia. Yeah, some big names here. Danny Willett, uh, JB Holmes, Aaron Wise, who uh, he finished like a train a couple of weeks ago at the Barracuda. There's some very well known players here that will. And Brandon Grace at 162. Um, there's some very well known players here that won't be playing any golf in the United States for the foreseeable future if they don't get into this top 125. So you might find a few of these refugees, Paul, have to return back to the European Tour, for example. <laughs> it was interesting with Garcia because he was a very late addition to the field, wasn't he? Uh, he, he wasn't on the original. Once, once he'd missed the cut at, uh, once yeah, he missed yeah. the cut at the PGA, he knew he was up at Pooh Creek. Yeah. So he, yeah. he needed to get in at the Wyndham, yes. He was, uh, he was a last-minute entry, um, more I saw, so yeah, clearly needs must for someone like Sergio. Uh, you know, what's Matt Wallace going to do if he doesn't qualify? He's got to jump seven spots. Does yeah. he? Where does he go? Does he have the month off? Does he fly back to Europe, do fourteen days, and play some European tour stuff? Hang on, good well, questions. Yeah. Is that fourteen day thing removed now? Because two of the guys just flew back from the PGA Championship. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, to play yeah, that. yeah, that's very true. Yeah, Kitayama and Lu- yeah, and Yost. Mm. Yost. Yeah, yeah you're right. So maybe that doesn't stand up. Anymore. I think they've got a reciprocal thing. If you get the testing done when, on arrival, oh, okay. I think I think you're covered that yeah, way. You could, you good to go. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. So we've got those kind of issues going on. Uh, players inside the bubble, Charles Svartzel, who I think will go well this week, he's at 125 and he's just got the medical um, exemption. So he, he's, he's qualified back onto the PGA Tour now with full status. Russell Knox, 124. Bo Hogue, 123. Fabian Gomez, who was top three at the Barracuda, 122. Uh, we've got Tom Lewis at 120. If he stays in the top 125, that's a big deal for Tom. And clearly, he was in the top five at a WGC a couple of weeks ago. So he's playing some brand, uh, fantastic stuff. And we've got our Bermuda monster friend, Siwoo Kim, 121. He has played 10 weeks straight, Siwoo Kim. This is his 11th straight tournament. I'd have thought if he can make the cut this week and grab 125... He'll, uh, he'll deserve a beer after that, I'd have thought. It was good last week, though. Does he have to play yeah. straight away next week, or is there a gap? No, no gap straight. at all. There you go. Straight straight across to Boston, he'll miss the cut. <laughs> Job done. 
Oh, it's so it's so like he's such a the the history we've had with Siwoo, and he's been playing so well recently. And every time we see him playing well, we're all cursing him because we know it's just destroying his price for this week, uh, which it has done. So, but that said, like he's playing awesome golf, <laughs> you know. So it's it's it, thirty five to one. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just so flaky, you know. The year he when won your money's here, on. He was at- <laughs> Yeah, I know. The year he won here, he was actually a uh, what was he? A hundred and fifty to one. Now that's a Siwoo Kim price, isn't it? Yeah. One hundred and fifty, not thirty-five. So the bookmakers have clearly got him marked. Right. So bear all that in mind. We have got players here that are severely out of position in terms of their FedEx Cup ranking as opposed to their ceiling as a professional golfer. The reason I mention this, bearing in mind the Wyndham Championship never has the most stellar of fields, because clearly it's the week before the FedEx Cup playoffs and it's sandwiched between majors and WGCs and and the like. So players do have to have weeks off. But I always bear this in mind uh, when I write Wyndham Championship tips. Since 2011 or 2012, this is the FedEx Cup ranking of the winners of this tournament. 102nd, 78th, 105th, 187th, 44th, that was Seawoo Kim, 75th, 80th, 83rd. So I'm reading there, 78th, 75th, 80th and 83rd. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, that's that's four of the last seven winners have been 78, 75th, 80th, and 83rd. That is a real sweet point in the FedEx Cup mm. standings. Don't ask me why. Couldn't tell you. Um, all I do know is that the winners coming into this have clearly had no pressure. You know, 78th, 75th, 80th, 83rd, even the even the 105, the 102nd, they're going to make the bubble. They're going to be in the FedEx Cup playoffs. They've got no expectations, but they've clearly been playing a level of golf that's good enough to suit the golf course this week and pop up with a nice win. And there's a mixture in there. There's a severe mixture. Um, JT Poston last year, he was a non-winner, but had been playing some very sparky golf and then disappearing on Sundays. Branch Snedeker, we were on in 2018. He was clearly a top 50 player in the world, or I think he'd slipped out the world top 50, but had a couple of top fives coming in. Not consecutive, but across the previous months. And uh, he just took this golf course apart. Then he shot 59 in round one. Beat uh, CT Pan pretty much in a head-to-head uh, on the Sunday. Henrik Stenson in 2017. He'd just come off 13th place at the PGA Championship. He was way out of position in terms of the FedEx Cup. He was up at uh, he was up at 75th in the FedEx Cup. He was 14-1. to 1. Just carried over his form, made some putts, and uh, he won the Wyndham Championship. So you, you get a mix, and then you've got Siwoo Kim, who'd never won on the PGA Tour. Going back to 2015, Davis Love Third, who was a old-timer and just came from nowhere to win this. Camillo Vijegas, he was clearly a, a top golfer in his day. Patrick Reed won his first ever PGA Tour event here in 2013, straight off a top 10 at the RBC Canadian Open. And we go back to Sergio Garcia in 2012. Garcia was another one of these elite golfers that was way out of position in the FedEx Cup rankings. He was 102nd when he won this. And he came in off a form that read, miscut at the PGA, 
29th at, at uh, the Bridgestone Invitational, missed cut at the Open Championship. So he hadn't been playing particularly great golf. He turns up here, takes the opportunity, uh, gets a much-needed PGA Tour victory. I don't think he'd won for years on the PGA Tour at 40-1. to 1. So that's the kind of angle I'm looking at here. I'm looking, personally, I'm looking for players that are out of position on the FedEx Cup. That's an angle that I think I've got to follow. Um, but what do players share coming into this of winners recently? Well, if you actually look at recent winners here, for me, it's a pretty, pretty easy um, kind of set of skills that we're looking for at Sedgefield. Sedgefield is your standard par 70 Parkland course in the United States. Um, it's played uh, it's at Greensboro, North Carolina. They're Bermuda grass greens. They're champion Bermuda grass. I know you were mentioning this a few weeks ago, Paul, at the WGC at FedEx, yes. St. Jude. They're, they're exactly the same kind of green type. And the crossover between St. Jude and here, very, very strong. That could point you in the direction of Tom Lewis. Although I've never seen course debutants win this tournament. Um, so we've got champion Bermuda grass. This is always with uh, Sony Open, the YLI Country Club. Always the easiest par 70 on the PGA Tour schedule. It's a birdie fest. 22 under, 21 under. You've got to be breaking 20 under this week to get anywhere near the lead, in my opinion. Uh, there's no wind in the forecast, but there, there is, as you would expect, because it's going to be 33, 34 degrees Celsius. There are boomer alerts all over the weather forecast. So this course could be taking some serious rain, or it might not take some serious rain. It's kind of 50-50 if you're going to hit some serious thunderstorms across... Uh, it was Tuesday all the way to Saturday. So this, this course could be inundated with water and could play very soft. And let's be frank, as we know, Barry, you just know that the PGA Tour are going to have the hoses out and it's going to play soft on the greens, whatever. Because <laughs> they just want 22, 23 under par. Uh, uh, this week it could be 30, 34 under par, you know. <laughs> it could be a Hanbury Manor. Yeah. <laughs> It could be an absolute birdie fest. This Well, it is going to be an absolute birdie fest, and there's no wind in the forecast, so they're going to take this apart. So the angle I've taken on this, looking at Poston, looking at Snedeker, looking at Stenson, looking at Siwoo Kim, what did those four most recent winners share moving into this? Well, when you look at their results, JT Poston, he'd finished uh, three outings earlier. He'd been eight, four strokes gained approach, 19th to green at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Snedeker at the PGA Championship, the outing before, was seventh for strokes gained putting, so his putter is in order. And then two outings earlier, he'd been ninth for strokes gained approach and 12th for tee to degree at the RBC Canadian Open, where he finished in the top 10. Stenson, he was 11th and 14th for strokes gained on approach, both at the PGA Championship and the Bridgestone Invitational. Ninth for strokes gained tee to green at the PGA. And Siwoo Kim, the outing before had been first for strokes gained T to uh, first for strokes gained T to green and fifth for strokes gained on approach at the Travelers Championship. So I've I've kind of made this a fairly easy strategy for me. I want players that have been hitting the ball nice and close close with their approach play, and have been putting reasonably well in the recent past. It's as difficult as that for me. Strokes gained approach. Players that have been putting nicely of late. If you actually look at the strokes gained numbers for this golf course, if we take the four most recent champions and we average out their winning skill sets, 
Strokes gained off the tee, 28th. Strokes gained on approach, 3rd. Can you believe that? Strokes gained around the green, 22nd. Tee to green, 3rd. Strokes gained putting, 18th. So actually, their tee to green game has been far more effective than their strokes gained putting. If you look at it from a traditional statistics angle, driving distance, 39th. This is one of the very, very rare tournaments on the PGA Tour where I'm actually devaluing bombers this week. I don't want anything to do with bombers at this golf course. Driving accuracy, 17th. Greens in regulation, 11th. Proximity to hole, 8th. So proximity to hole, 8th. Strokes gained on approach, 3rd. I think this is telling us exactly what we need. Scrambling, 23rd. Putting average, 10th. So we need second shot. It's a second shot golf course, effectively. It's not overly long either. It's I think it's what's uh, I'm scanning up my preview. The preview, of course, is available in the description box and also available. Seven one two seven. Seven one two seven for a par seventy. And I've just read various different um, art, you know interviews from players. They're playing a lot of three woods and five woods off the tee just to position themselves in fairways. You don't need to be a power hitter around here. I don't see this as being a bomb and gouge kind of golf course. It's a positional golf course, and it's all about your approach play, creating those birdie and eagle opportunities. I did hear that one of the par fives has got a 6% eagle rate. That's unbelievable. One in 20 players mm. are hitting eagle on that par five. I think it was the one on the front nine. That's madness. <laughs> so the par fives are reachable to everybody in the field. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with it. Players that have been showed something with the flat stick and players that have been hitting their approaches nice and close and players that are in those kind of sweet FedEx Cup standings. Now, one thing I'm going to mention before I go into any more detail about selections is I've done a piece of analysis where basically I've taken the last two putting performances and I've taken them and just looked at those against the rest of the field. I'm doing this not in terms of strokes game putting. I'm doing this in terms of putting average because I I want players that when they're hitting greens are actually converting chances. I don't really care if they've made a 50-footer or they've made a three-footer. It's getting the ball in the hole. That's all I'm interested with, the flat stick. So this is these are the names that I've got at the top of this analysis, okay? Kevin Kisner, number one. Brian Gay, two. Uh, Zing, is it Zhang at three? Aaron Wise at four. Norlander at five. Justin Rose at six. Svartzel at seven. JT Poston, the defending champion, at eight. Mark Anderson, Roger Sloan, Ryan Moore, and Danny Lee. That's the top 12 in that analysis. Last two performances, actually making some putts. I had to hold myself back from saying boom, as you said, Kisner. I was like, please say Kisner, please say Kisner. <laughs> This is happening. It's happening this week. I've been shouting about him for weeks now, losing money like an idiot, but it'll all be worth it. I mean, look, last week, West Coast, long course, and still finished 19th, and if it wasn't for the the occasional flurry of bogeys, he could have got himself up there. I'm sad enough to still get excited, Barry, when the first odds come out, and you look at the first odds. I I get a little, you know... Little tingle, and I could not believe Kevin Kisner at fifty to one. Yeah, snapped him up, snapped him up. I was, <laughs> mate. 
Straight away, 50 swan, Kevin Kisner. And, that is just a silly price. Thank you very much. And it's just, it's, uh, I'm, again, I'm kind of, I'm hope, uh, <laughs> a lot of people have jumped on him. He's been tipped up quite widely around the place and his price has tumbled. So glad to have gotten in there early. Um, I mean, he's down, he, he's only a few, well, it's kind of half the bookies are at 40s, the other half are at 35s. Yeah, you won't get any more than forties now for yeah. the rest of the week. This is this is his happy place, so you know the Carolinas. Oh, mate. This kind of Bermuda vibe. Grass greens, yeah. thirty-four degrees. We're sweating up profusely. This is Kevin Kiers in the country. He lives down here. He lives in um, lives in Georgia. He's clearly a Carolinian I'm- by. Um, the rest of the field should do the honourable thing and just have fun for four days while he goes and wins the <laughs> tournament and just let it happen. Um, you know, it's it's almost inevitable, isn't he? That 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 something happens this week. He either misses the cut or he wins. Yeah, I don't quite know which one it's going to be. He could like if he gets his groove, he could cruise it by a few. You know, it's that kind of week. Or yeah, the, there's the miss cup possibility. But let's uh, let's go positive. Let's go positive. Top ten of this week's predictor model I pulled together yesterday. Ten Paul Casey. All the prices I mention are current prices. Uh, they're all if I mention each way places, all are fifty odds. Paul Casey twenty to one with William Hill are eight places each way. The prices I also read out are the best in the market. Nine is Jordan Speed forty five to one with William Will eight places each way. Eight is Chess and Hadley. 200 to 1 with Paddy Power, eight places each way if you fancy a punt. Hadley, I believe, is outside the top 125. Seven is Siwoo Kim. 40 to 1 with Unibet, six places each way. We all know about Siwoo. Six is Patrick Reed. 16 to 1 with William Hill, eight places each way. Then we've got top five. Billy Hoshul. Billy Ho. 33 to 1 with William Hill, eight places each way. Four is Justin Rose. 22 to 1 with William Hill, eight places each way. Three is Brooks Kepka, eleven to one with William Hill, eight place each way. Two, Kevin Kisner, forty to one with William Hill, eight place each way. Number one, they call this the Webb Simpson Open, but I think they need to rebrand it. I think they need to call this the Matt Every First Round Leader Open. Is this the week? That, that is what it is, isn't it? It's the Matt Every First Round Leader. Forget about this Webb Simpson rubbish. The stars Matt are Every. First round leader open. Uh, Webb Simpson, 10 to 1. William Hill, 8 places each way. Um, I must say, William Hill, absolutely outstanding again on price. I mean, that's 8 of the top 10 in the predictor. If you fancy a new William Hill account, they are um, exceptional with their golf proposition right now. Uh, Golf betting system, we offer an extended, boosted bet £10 or €10. Get £40 or €40 in free bets. Uh, which is uh, £10 more than you would get if you sign up direct with William Hill. That is available on a mobile. You've got to sign up by your mobile. It's also available with the promo code W40. Key terms and conditions available at Golf Betting System. For me, and I've added them to my betting portfolio in the last couple of months, they are a must now for golf punters. So William Hill, um, available for new sportsbook customers. Uh, Bet 10, get 40 in free bets at Golf Betting System. Um, yeah, first round. Um, Matt, every first round leader open. That is what this needs to be re- rebranded. Um, yeah, so we're all on Kisner, I think. Well, I'm certainly am. And, but, and um, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll make that three. I'll make that three. It actually sounds like we should all put on a um, an each way double on Kisner and Cole Sartre, just to uh, just to max up our 
have had. I have, I have already done yeah. that. <laughs> he's, he's in my. Cro- I've got cross doubles this week. I'm going for the transatlantic uh, boom boom. Kisner third at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. That was a Donald Ross course. He shot eighteen under. Twenty fifth at the WGC St Jude. Nineteenth last week at the PJ Championship. The only time I saw Kevin Kisner because clearly they were showing every terrible shot from Phil Mickelson, every missed putt by Tiger Woods, and every, well, whatever Rory McIlroy does, they show that. Every time I saw Kisner, he was banging it to four feet and making a putt. And I thought, that's a that's a pretty good sign for Kevin Kisner. And when you look at his numbers last week, he was 10th for strokes gain approach, 7th for strokes gain putting. And that outing at the Rocket Mortgage when he finished third, he was 10th for strokes gain approach, 13th for strokes gained tee to green and 13th for strokes gained putting. Yeah, he's just a must include, isn't he? His uh, Donald Ross form is fantastic as well. And three of his wins have all come featuring Bermuda grass, two with Bermuda grass greens and the third one at Colonial. Bermuda grass fairways, Bermuda grass rough and yeah, bent grass greens. So he's just a must back, isn't he, Kevin Kisner? KK. Uh, his, stro- his, his FedEx Cup rank, for those interested in the name enough, as of me, I think he's in the 60s. I actually haven't included it in my preview, but yeah, he's that kind of way inclined. So he's in the right kind of spot as well in the actual FedEx Cup rankings where we're seeing winners. Just got to be done. The other guy that, that at the top, I mean, you know, we could all lamp on at Webb Simpson at 10 to 1. I'm, I'm completely walking away from Brooks Kepka after last week. Um, I think he's struggling with that putter. He's struggling with... In, in ter- I think it was just sheer willpower that got him involved. In yeah, that I'm, I'm surprised he's playing, Steve. I must say, I thought he'd, uh, I thought he'd give this a skip this week, but clearly Well, it's not. his FedEx Cup ranking. He's all over the place, mate. He's mm. still down in... Uh, uh, he's, he's improved. Um, I think he's in the 90s. And he's basically told his team he's going to keep playing until he's knocked out. Kepka is at 92. So actually, <laughs> that's a damn sweet spot, but... I don't fancy Bombers this week and I struggle with Brooks Kepka when he says he only peaks for WGCs and majors and he turns up and he wins the Wyndham Championship at 10-1. It doesn't really make sense to me. Kevin Kisner, by the way, 52 in the in the FedEx Cup rankings. The player at the top that I like, I thought I'd, I'd play things a little differently. Um, Justin Rose, 103rd in the FedEx Cup standings. And it's been a little bit kind of un-Justin Rose-like recently, has it? It's feast or famine. It's missed cut or it's a decent finish. 14th at the RBC Heritage. He almost won the um, Charles Swab Challenge, the first tournament out the gate on the resumption, where he, uh, he needed to make one putt on the final green to make a playoff. And then last week he was in the top nine again at the PGA Championship. He's way out of position in the FedEx Cup rankings. And do you know what? I actually think that someone like Rose will care about that because he's actually made nine of the last ten tour championships. Clearly, he won the 2018 FedEx Cup in its entirety. He's played here once. He finished fifth. That was way back in 2009 when it featured bent grass greens. But do you know what? He was 14th on the approach, third for strokes game putting last week at the uh, PGA Championship, and it was his driver that let him down. Around here, three-wood, five-wood, fairway, you know, fairway uh, even irons if needs be off some of these tee boxes. Take that 
kind of quirky driver out the bag and he's hitting his approaches closely and he's making loads and loads of putts right now. What was he? He was seventh in that putting analysis I did. And his winning score surprised me, you know. Last three of his last four PGA Tour victories, 22 under, 20 under and 21 under. And what do we think is going to win this week? 22 under. Yeah, it's surprising, isn't it? Because you, you kind of have him down as a more US you know, Open grind, one yeah, over. grinding kind of player, but uh, he, don't, he doesn't mind a, a 20 under effect. If there's one thing Justin Rose has improved in the last three years, it's his putting immeasurably. Mm. Oh, He's yeah. not such a phenomenal ball striker anymore, but his putting is top notch. Yeah. yeah. And at that lost, price, he... at that price point, I would rather have personally. I would rather have Justin Rose at twenty-two to one than Paul Casey at twenty to one or Harris English at twenty-two to one. Yeah. It's, it's not even comparable in terms of win equity. No, no How can it be? So there you go, Justin Rose for me. Um, that's two of my four. Who who are you guys going for? Apart from Kevin Kisner. Go you go, Barry. Wait, why Why would you back anyone else? Stop wasting your money. <laughs> uh, right, so... All in, KK. Yeah. Um, on the whole first round leader thing, I see... I like Brandon Grace coming back uh, after his COVID, uh, after having it. And this is his yeah. first tournament back. He was playing really well, scoring really well um, up in the mountains uh, at the Barracuda. And... Yeah. I think first round leader for him. I think he's going to come out of the gates really hot. Uh, if he has to, yeah, he has to, doesn't he? So not so sure if I'll go all for an outright on him. I probably will add it to be honest, but I like that for a first round leader. Um, Ninety to one. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Um, where are we? With- I might have to follow you in on that logic. Because Grace, he's got to just play well, and he was outstanding at the Barracuda. He he probably would have gone on to win that. Yeah. So I, my my only doubt in my mind was clearly how would that affect him coming back after that positive test. But anyway, ninety to one, it's well worth the pump. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with Seamus Power. So he uh, finally got himself into the places at the Barracuda. It's, Knock in with a very nice putt on the last, which is the putt that got him into this week, uh, but courtesy of being top 10. And so I am taking him on. I've got him at 150, which is about 450 short of where I really want him, but I'll take what I can get. Um, I'm, I'm not, a, I mean, he's driving the ball great, so he won't need to use his driver that much around here. So yeah, let's. Let's go and see how he's making some birdies, making lots of birdies. Um, yeah, I'll, guys in form, uh, trending nicely, feeling good. So I'll happily take him at 150. Um, are, you, are you doing him first round lead or, or, or outright? Or oh, this, did you hear, folks, did you hear the worry in Paul's voice there that he knows that if I back Seamus Power first round leader, he's going to smash Matt every into Absolutely. second or third place? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I, there's a little bit of concern there, but he's, he's a quick starter, isn't he? Seamus. Oh, yeah. Fast starter, Seamus. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. First round leader. Um, once. I want to see him come up on a few more books and just grab the best price, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Rather than just jumping in at the deep end now. And look, just to wrap it up while I'm talking, just keep the flow going. I just picked another guy who traditionally does well on the little short uh, courses, uh, kind of that RBC Heritage vibe. I'm going to go with Wesley Bryan. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And he is at two. I got him at two hundred to one. Yeah, so, nice price. Uh, yeah, yeah, another one who makes logical sense for, for a long shot, definitely. Yeah, he'll 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 fancy himself this week because he knows on the super long courses that they generally play like hasn't really a hope. Um, to but this 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 will kind of be on his radar big time. So he'll be an excellent DraftKings player as well, Wesley Bryan. Should be, should be. He's been really his approach play has been absolutely top draw. And then he he disappeared down into the Corn Ferry, finished fortieth at. But that they played that at TPC San Antonio, which is that real brutal golf course uh, in Texas, which is like long par seventy two. It's all about ball striking. It's completely not Wesley Bryan. Um, this is Wesley Bryan, isn't it? Short par seventy Bermuda grass greens. Come and come and take me. Yeah, two hundred one. Love that. Six thousand six hundred DraftKings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to like that. That is that is me, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, I've backed KK as well, and I will do the um, the KK and Colsarts each way double now that I've mentioned it. Cause <laughs> no doubt, having mentioned it, if I don't back it, then uh, it will come in. So uh, that's going in the book, as is Matt Every. But like you, Barry, I'm just waiting for the full range of bookies to come up. He's 250s with a number at the moment. I suspect someone might go 300 to 1, and I'll take that when it comes up later today. Um, so Matt, Matt Every, first round leader as well, um, which goes without saying, I guess. Um, I think Dylan Fratelli could go well. Um, the signs of life with uh, Blanche Snedeker as well, who loves the track. Um, the other one I've backed in mid-prices is uh, Sergio Garcia, who you mentioned up the top, Steve, who needs to play well this week. Um, former winner here, also played well at the Heritage after lockdown. I think he finished fifth, didn't he? Um, a few signs of life as well at the WGC. Didn't do anything last week at the, the, the um, PGA Championship, but um, let's turn that into a positive. He's had a couple of days off and he's getting back to a track that he has won on in the past. And I thought for a player of his quality, 50 to 1, with the um, requirement for him to play well this week was worth taking. Yep. Uh, the other one I have backed is a longer price, is Bryce Garnett at 150 to 1. And he's 6,700 6, on drafting. So again, another one who would make a level of sense at that kind of level. Uh, 17th at the Heritage, which I like, a couple of 65s there. Uh, 26th at the 3M Open in his last start, which was half decent. 20th, 20th and 6th here on his last three attempts at Sedgefield. Um, second, second into Sunday last year before shooting a 70 and, uh, and meandering along to 6th place in the end. But uh, I think 150 to 1 is the kind of player who could run into a place on Sunday afternoon. On a track he obviously likes. Dylan Dylan Fratelli was the last off my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, two more for me. I've got this week arthritis is it just kills uh, punters, doesn't it? Kills kills us. Ryan Moore, I can imagine Ryan Moore um, being in the mix all the time at the Barracuda and not getting an each way place and then just popping up and winning this. I can really see that. He was fifth for strokes gained approach, sixth for tee to green at the 3M Open, where he was 12th. His ball striking and total driving numbers at the Barracuda, he was number one. I think he was number one for all round. And 
when we went to the top there, he was in the top 12 in the putting average number, the last two outings. So he's clearly generating opportunities and converting a number of them. He's 11th in that analysis. Uh, he's also a winner here. Uh, and last time, I think he was sixth here on these champion Bermuda grass greens. When he won here, they were bent grass. So I can see Ryan Moore going very well. I backed him at, I think it was 55s, was it, Paul? Yeah, 55 to 1. And finally, I was a little bit surprised by the price. He's been a DraftKings darling for months on end. Um, always down in those 6,200, 6,300 kind of price points. Henrik Norlander. I got 890 to 1, 8 places each way, 50 odds with William Hill on Henrik Norlander. Um, his strokes gained approach numbers, his tee to green numbers have been impressive for months. And then, lo and behold, at the Memorial, where he finished 6th, so he finished 6th at the Memorial, and we all know how stacked that tournament was and how bad the conditions were. He was second for strokes gained putting. If you look at my putting average analysis over his last two outings, Kisner first, Gay second, Zhang third, Wise, Norlander fifth. And you always bag, you know, this guy just seems to perform far better on Bermuda grass greens. He lives in Augusta, Georgia, used to the heat. Um, I just think he could go very, very well this week. And you, he, he's a bit like a JT Poston from last year. You'd see Norlander in the final group Sunday and go, why the hell didn't I back that guy? 90 to 1. Um, I just love, just like everything about him this week. So, Norlander, Moore. Oh, by the way, Ryan Moore, he is in that sweet spot right on the nose. He is 80, no, 91st in the FedEx Cup standings, Moore. So, right, right in that sweet spot. So, Moore, Norlander, Rose and Kevin Kisner for me. I think that's us, isn't it, guys? Yeah. We're done. Lovely stuff. Let's, let's see if we can keep the momentum going from last week. Apologies for the length of the podcast, but clearly we had a lot to chew on this week. And, uh, you, you know, you've got to take the PGA Championship and the majors and have a 10-minute have a natter about them. It's what timestamps are for. You. Exactly. Timestamps will be on the podcast. Well, gentlemen, thank you for your time. Cheers. Yep, best of luck, ever. Um, I'm not sure if you're going to be around, Barry, next week, but Paul and myself will be, and then we're disappearing on holiday. So... Um, we will be back next week for the Golf Betting System podcast. I hope all of your bets and DraftKings teams go well. Goodbye.